Welcome to episode 105 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot universe. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Nostroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Matt Crandall. And on today's episode, we'll be discussing Fringe, season three, episodes eight and nine. The first episode up this week in that batch is the episode entitled Intrada. This episode, when it starts, the opening Fringe theme and opening title sequence the last few weeks, we've been going back and forth. So we've had the red tinge to let us know that we're over there, and then the normal color to know that we're over here. And this one is half and half. It keeps switching back. So we know that the story is going to switch back and forth between universes, which is great and makes for my favorite episode of this season so far. I absolutely love that finally Olivia, our Olivia, not that faux Olivia schemer is coming back to our universe and we open where we left off last week with that bombshell moment of peter getting the phone call and i just love seeing his reaction because we saw him get the phone call and he like kind of hung up and that was the end of the episode now we see like he hangs up and then he's lying there and he's like oh shit what am i gonna do and we see the clock tick by And literally for a couple of hours, the dude is just lying there thinking like, oh, no, I fucked up because he's realizing if this is not our Olivia, who has he been getting close to all this time? And what has the other side been doing to our Olivia? And he has not been looking for her. So I loved how that played out. And of course, he starts to mess around with her computer They do the thing where we're going to have to make you pass a test because I'm going to say something that seems innocuous and innocent. And if you can't identify what it is, then I'll know it's not really you. But Folivia clocks it. So I did like that even in this moment after they've been intimate and they're tired, Folivia is still on her game and she realizes like, I didn't pass the test, did I? What does that phrase mean? And he says, no, that phrase means what it meant. You know, be the better person than your father. But it was Olivia who actually said it to me in that language. So like, gotcha, bitch. So I thought that that was that was great. And having Peter at a disadvantage where Olivia's like, I could kill you or you can just inject yourself and let me get away. I like that. And then the dominoes really start to fall when we tell Team Fringe like this was not who we thought it was. Our Liv is still trapped. What are you thinking, Marcelo? As finally the truth is out, Peter is paralyzed with this drug, and we keep flashing between our universe and that universe where we see our Olivia in a real bad spot. I really like the fact that in this episode, we really see the effect that full Olivia has had on our team members for these two months. We see Walter, Peter, and Astrid in the lab and walter basically says that temptress she beat me with my stomach man it was just it's just really really funny but my favorite moment of the episode for olivia gets arrested peter and her have a final moment and peter grabs for olivia's face and for olivia says look 
when I initially came over here, I just came over here to do a job. But I want you to know that it started out that way, but then it became something more. And then Peter just takes her face and he comes in real close and he says, that would be more believable right now if you weren't in handcuffs. The thing that makes that kind of ring true is when Peter goes through Olivia's effects, right? And he takes out uh, these these Polaroids of them. Look, as much as we've hated for Olivia, it really made me kind of happy that for Olivia sort of fell in love with Peter, even if she was just doing it for a job. It kind of still showed that she isn't entirely the monster that we thought her to be when she first came on the scene. Yeah, that's an interesting take. I thought she still was just trying to work him, which is why he says that would be easier to believe if you're not in handcuffs. Like he, as Walter said, he fell right into her vagenda and <laughs> she's trying to, again, play him, use his, his attachment. So I, even though she had those photos, there might be a small spark there, but I still don't buy it. I don't believe that she ever actually cared for him. I think that it's still part of this universe war, and she's just trying to make another last-ditch effort to try and get out of this because she's smart like that. The other thing that I was sort of happy with uh, and disappointed with as far as this episode is concerned, I postulated that the French team on the other side was going to rebel and help Olivia somehow get back to the other side. And unfortunately, I was right, but I was wrong. One person helps our Olivia get back home, and that person is their version of Philip Broyles. And I really like how throughout this episode, while Philip Broyles is going through the motions, you can really see him questioning his loyalty to Walternet and to his proper side. One scene is when he's talking to the secretary in his office. And another scene is when he's in a bar and he goes to pay for his drink. And the bartender says, your money is no good here, sir, because you're a hero, basically. And when he goes to see our Olivia, who now is basically going to be brought back to our side but without a brain, you really see how much our Olivia has affected uh, their Broyles' their Broyles's thought process about what is really going on here. And he's really, he's really beginning to understand that the narrative that the secretary has been uh, feeding their side is not necessarily the correct one. And what he does is he gives our Olivia a chance to mend both sides eventually. So I really liked that. I really liked that storyline for their broils because I thought it was going to be much more of a team effort. But on the but on the other hand, with the episode last week, which we didn't like very much, I really liked that this really gave their broils uh, a moment to shine and to be a hero and to sort of pay our Olivia back for all her kindness that she has given him and his team. Yeah, it's a great part of the episode seeing, especially when Broyles is struggling, knowing that he really owes our Olivia a debt. And he's starting to wonder 
if Walternet is a little bit of an evil Dr. Frankenstein that he's just been following these orders blindly. So he has those nice scenes and he has one with his wife where, you know, they, they chatted out and he realizes our Olivia has done only things that prove to him that she seems to be a good person. So he can't just let it slide. And it's not that they're just going to take her brain. She'll be dead, right? They take her brain. She, she dies. So they realized to, to do the swap, they need to have basically, you know, matter exchange, just like the building. So they're going to send Olivia's dead body back to our universe. So full Olivia can come through. And when Broyles decides that he has to help our Olivia and he busts in and they get to the lab and they're going to go into the tank and the tank is empty and she's distressed. And there's a moment where it's kind of like, well, that's it. But Broyles is like, you know, I've already burnt, burnt the bridges. So like, what else can we do? And I love when they realize they can go to Walternate's old lab and they fill up the classic sensory deprivation tank and having that moment where, you know, Broyles has kind of realized this is a mission he can't come back from on that side. But if Walternate is feeding them bullshit, he realizes that this sacrifice to get our Olivia back home might shut down this war that is about to pop off and that that would be worth it. So I just love that Broyles in their universe really goes out on a limb, shows his his integrity and because we had that other episode about his son, he really steps up and him and our Olivia have this nice bond. So I like that no matter what universe he's in, Broyles is a stand-up dude. And I think that's really important. And then it is so awesome when Olivia goes in the sensory deprivation tank and then comes out having come back to our universe and she encounters Astrid and that's a great moment. They realize that, you know, this momentum deferred exchange is still going to have to happen, especially when Peter catches up to Folivia in a train station. And I like that we cut from the alternate universe where it's the Springsteen station in Newark named after Bruce Springsteen. And then we cut to our universe and the boss doesn't have his own uh, train station as of yet. And I thought that was just a nice moment of levity in a very serious episode and they they get faux Olivia into custody and they go through her bag and they find the photos you mentioned and these little like small things that Walter realizes a moment too late that these are things that ring at a certain frequency that will actually help traverse the universes so there was a whole load of exposition about Cortexafan and Olivia's blood on the other side but these little things are what's going to make Folivia be able to traverse the universe. And in her leaving our universe, the dead body of their Philip Broyles comes through in a really grotesque moment where he's all mutilated. And we see our Broyles come face to face with dead body Broyles. What are you thinking, Marcelo? as finally the Olivia's are where they're supposed to be, but their Broyles, who's been a stand-up guy all episode, is now dead. I've been harping on it for weeks. I think that a lot of the public servants on the other side have been misled. And if they had an opportunity to question 
what they've been told by people that were supposed to protect them vis-a-vis the secretary or vis-a-vis, you know, uh, anybody who works with the secretary. I think that a lot of people in power would rebel against the secretary if they knew the truth for Olivia going back to their side and their broils being ported over inside out into our universe, allowing our broils to see himself. That was terrifying. That was some Cronenberg shit, man. Because he was like inside out, especially his, not not his head, but his like midsection. His stomach was like inside out or it was like a, it was like the top of like a, um, a, uh, uh, a Sprite can or something when you, that was kind of terrifying. But again, I just like the fact that one guy from the other universe made the right choice and chose peace instead of war. So that gives me hope that as we go along in the series, when things start to come out, that there might be some other people over there that notice things aren't quite as they seem over here, or we should really think about what we're being told by the people that are supposed to protect us. With that being said, I was really disappointed that uh, when when Fort Olivia goes back to her universe, Lincoln you know, shows up and he says, you know, oh, look at, look at my face. There's no more burns or there's no more anything. And I'm like, I know that you've been in a, I I know that you've been recovering, but I'm really disappointed that he didn't notice and he didn't, he wasn't aware of the switch. Also, I was kind of disappointed that Charlie wasn't in some way involved in this episode because he's the one that brought up the possibility that there could have been a switch weeks ago But that story point wasn't really picked up at all. No, and I don't even know that they're going to ever tell that fringe team that she was gone anywhere because they're acting like she never left, that she's been here the whole time. So I don't think we're going to address that. And I do think it was important that Lincoln didn't notice because we earlier in the episode do have a quick conversation where Peter is starting to beat himself up saying, how did I not know? How did I not pick up on it? Now, Walter says a funny thing about how one time in the 70s, he accidentally walked into the wrong house for three days. And he said, and unlike you, uh, that lady looked nothing like like my wife. And I shared a bed with her for three nights. So I thought we're starting to have Peter realize, like, how did I not know? But we're seeing other people who had no idea. So we're trying to take a little bit of the burden off of Peter preemptively. Before we know we are really going to have to dive into this, how could you not know that our Olivia was gone? And that's going to be a huge through line that they're going to have to address. And they just start to scrape the surface of it a little bit. And I think that that Lincoln scene and the scene where Peter is kicking himself earlier is part of the buildup to the next episode. And on that note, we move on to the final episode that we're going to talk about this week. The episode is entitled Marionette. Matt, with that being said, I do have one thing to say. There are no more strings on me. So, (laughs) Pinocchio reference in an episode where, man, I bet Peter wishes he could find the perfect lie to tell (laughs) to be able to ease his conscience. And this episode is basically kind of a classic fringe episode in that part of it is 
a fringe event of the week that our team is investigating. The other part is the fallout of Olivia being back and realizing that when she was gone for eight weeks of absolute hell, no one else that loves and cares for her had any fucking idea that she had been replaced. And watching her at the beginning of this episode brush it off saying, I get it. She looked just like me. It's not a problem. You guys had no idea anything was wrong. I I get it to where we end up, where the truth comes out. And she realizes that everything that she knew about her life has been upended and changed. Everyone else, yes, they can say, oh, I can't believe we didn't know. But the fact that they couldn't tell is a deal breaker. And even just being at home alone in her apartment doesn't feel the same anymore because she goes to do laundry and there's laundry that the other version of her had worn. So I love that we we start in a place where Olivia is playing it calm and cool and like, no big deal, guys. You know, I, I get it. To finally unburdening herself and coming clean with this event that will change her outlook on life and everything going forward. Guys, um, I indicated a while back that there was one episode of Fringe that I was really, really excited to get to. And I'm really happy to say that this is that episode. I really love this episode because of two things. Number one, your chickens have come home to roost and Peter pays for his insolence in a big way in this episode. And two, it is just really heartbreaking to see our Olivia come back to our side and realize that the people that she loves and the people that she trusted, like you said, Matt, didn't know, didn't have any idea that the woman that they have, the, the, the woman that infiltrated them wasn't their Olivia. And I really thought that Anator did such a wonderful job with her acting in this episode. Specifically, there's a there's a, a conversation early on with Broyles when she tries to basically do a debrief. And the way that Anator speaks, the way that she moves her face, the way that she makes her eyes bigger. Look, guys, I must, you know, obviously I'm gushing, but the way that she performs our Olivia as opposed to the way that she performs for Olivia is, is so apparent in this episode. And I fucking love it. The case of the week this week is basically about a guy who uh, who uh, is uh, is some kind of a famous, you know, surgeon. And he gets depressed and he meets this uh, he meets this ballerina who ends up committing suicide. So he takes his medical ingenuity, you know, and decides to steal her body after she's buried and physically bring her back to life by stealing one guy's heart, one guy's eyes, and a whole bunch of other contraptions here and there. And the reason why this episode is so special to me is because if you if you guys have been listening, you know that I that my life was ruined by a specific individual, right? And no matter how hard I tried to get over that and put other people in my life 
to sort of make me forget that this person did that thing to me. At you know, at one point, as I tried as I tried to surround myself with people that look like her, I came to the conclusion that nobody was going to fill the void or nobody was going to make me feel the way that she did. So in a weird way, I really connected with the bad guy's plight in this episode, especially there's one scene when the evil doctor this episode reanimates the corpse of the, you know, of the ballerina that he puts back together and her eyes open up. And that moment is really heartbreaking because he's like, I could see it in her eyes that it wasn't her. And that leads to a magnificent uh, scene uh, with Peter and Olivia outside. And this is when, you know, Olivia lets Peter have it. And she says, couldn't you tell it wasn't me? Couldn't you tell? And Anna Torres' performance in that moment is heartbreaking because she is at her wit's end. And she's like, you know, like like you mentioned, Matt, um, you know, this woman invaded my life. She she took my job. She she lived in my house. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't even want to be with you. So this episode was just outstanding to me because of the story that we got or the story that we're getting this season and for personal reasons. And I definitely think that that, you know, bringing emotion out and personal stuff is what makes part of fringe special. And I really do like that journey that Olivia goes on where even earlier she talks to Astrid and says like, what was Peter like with her? And she's like, well, he thought it was you. So they were like lovey-dovey. They were having a great time for these eight weeks. They were just in love. She doesn't say it that blunt, but that's what she kind of means. And we see Olivia just be like, oh, okay, okay. But after this whole thing with the mad scientist and the reanimation, and he says, I saw in her eyes that it wasn't her. It wasn't the same. She has that breakdown. And Anna Torv is awesome in that moment. And... Josh Jackson plays it really well because he knows how much he has wounded her, even though if he could do it over, obviously, if if he had the information he had, then he never would have gone down this road. But as we've seen, small red flags, you just ignore because you don't ever think about it. And when she says, the only thing that kept me going is that I was holding on to you so tightly on the other side. I can't believe that you wouldn't hold on to me in the same way. And because you didn't, like, I can't even fucking look at you. I I was in love with you, but that is over now. Like, you son of a bitch. My life is shattered. And you just kept going on and having a great time with someone who was not me. And I thought, that is the highlight of the episode. I honestly didn't give a shit about the reanimation and the marionettes. I hated all of it. <laughs> to be honest, I hated all of that. Uh, but the mythology stuff that carried over, I just loved. And of course, we needed that marionette stuff because of that eye line to, to parallel the how could you not know. And then we have forgotten for a while about our buddies, the observers, and what's going on because we've put the universe war on hold as we've dealt with all this emotional baggage this episode. But the final scene is the observer watching as Peter and Walter go to an ice cream shop. And earlier in this 
episode, there was a point where Walter needs some cheering up where he's like, I'm going to have a strawberry milkshake. Peter's like, okay. And he's like, with whipped cream. Peter's like, take it easy. And I thought that was really funny. But so they go to get the ice cream, the strawberry milkshake, and the observer gets on a call and he says, they're here. And yes, he's still alive. And so we're like, okay, which one is he talking about? Is he talking about Peter? Is he talking about Walter? We know last episode, the dude with the who needed new legs handed over a part of the machine that's the doomsday device to the bad guys. So we still have this bigger thing we're building towards as we really dig deep into the emotion and the ramifications of Olivia being gone. But I think now that she's back, we're going to obviously still have to deal with some of that fallout. But the end of this episode tells me that the observers watching this universe ending war is really starting to ramp up. What are you thinking, Marcelo? Who are they talking about when they're talking about, yes, they're still alive? Well, I think I think they're talking about Peter because, you know, this season we've been building up to this machine being built. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how this machine ultimately comes into play and what part Peter has in it. Because unfortunately, we know that Peter is interested is 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 vastly connected to this machine and how it works. So I'm fascinated that the observers haven't gotten in the way yet because I would have expected them to get in the way at some point. But the fact that they haven't tells me that everything that has happened to this point was supposed to happen. And that's very interesting because of what Fringe has done with the timeline in the past and how they have treated people that, for lack of a better word, fuck up the timeline. So I'm very, very interested to see where where we go in reference to Peter and the machine and where that can lead to. But I just want to bring up two other scenes before we wrap up this episode. One scene in particular that made me realize of how much of a fucking asshole Peter Bishop was while full Olivia was over here and our Olivia was over there was when Peter and Olivia were looking through boxes to try and identify this individual who was doing the Frankenstein on this, uh, you know, on this dancer woman. And Peter keeps giving Olivia the names of young men in their 20s and 30s and 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 all, all sorts of shit, right? And Olivia basically says, you need to look for the non-obvious, right? You, you, the, the part of being a profiler is to look for the things that are not there. And eventually Peter, you know, you know, uh, wipes off that comment and says, fine, right? And then our, and then um, I was about to say our Olivia, but she is our Olivia. It's going to take me a bit, guys. Um, and eventually Olivia says, look, man, the guy who did this loves her. He would only do this if he actually loved her. And that really kicked me. I mean, that really hit me in the heart because that plays into how our Olivia got back to our universe by seeing, you know, visions or acronyms of our Peter. And the fact that Peter couldn't 
pick up on that or sort of miss that really fucking piss me off to no end. It it just it just made me so fucking mad. Yeah, one that's the first sign that there is going to be rocky roads ahead and trouble where she's like yeah, to do this job you have to notice the little things and the absence of something should be a red flag in addition to maybe something extra. So I thought that was a nice foreshadowing of where we would end up in those final moments. The other thing that I'm wondering is how how is there how is the relationship between Peter and Olivia going to change and how it how is it going to evolve? And how do you think they're going to find their way back to each other? That's something that we will have to basically figure out because it's going to take a lot. They're going to have to start from square one, but we still know there are more shoes waiting to drop that we haven't been aware of at this point that are going to throw more roadblocks in their way. And it is regaining that sense of connection and trust is going to be very difficult. So if anything is going to maybe help that along the end of the world is a pretty good thing to to help you sort of band together and overcome these these roadblocks. So at least Fringe has that going for it as we move forward. All right, guys. And on that note, I think that'll do it uh, for this edition of Radio 815. Listen, guys, if you like anything that we do here and you want to reach out to us to ask us questions or what have you, There are a couple ways to do that. First, you can reach out to us on our personal Twitter page. It's JJUniverse815. If you just want to just reach out to us on Twitter, you can just use the hashtag Radio815. And if we get any questions on there, I will respond to those and and, uh, we will eventually give you a shout out on the show. But Matt, if the good folks at home want to talk to you about anything having to do with Fringe... Uh, what would be the best place for them to reach out to you? On Twitter, at Matt Crandall. All right, guys. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. And as always, we'll talk back soon. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.